keeping you in the game and in the know. Full time on KCLR. And you're very welcome to the very first full-time show of 2024 with myself, Eddie Scally, in the hot seat. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk all things horse racing with Champ.ie's Barry Doyle. We'll be looking back at some of the Kilkenny Hurling podcasts and looking to the future of the Kilkenny Hurling podcast with Robbie Downing a little bit later. Athletics with PL Kern, of course, yesterday we had big day in Carlo with the Athletics. Willie Quinn will be chatting to me about the Gaelic football from the weekend. But I'm going to start the show with, I said I wanted to start at the top and make my way down from there. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the Kilkenny Camogie manager Peter Chap Clare Chap thanks a million for taking the call this evening No problem Eddie good evening to you Chap we, we, we'll dig straight into it there obviously uh, you know yourself you're new in the role there in the in the Camogie job you know probably in, 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 in situ now a couple of months how's it been so far? Yes, yeah, but absolutely fantastic, Eddie. Um, I mean, we've had a, a great response from the girls in terms of their uh, their attitude to training and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, look, it's, it's going to take a while in terms of the players getting to know the backroom team and the backroom team to get to know the players and, and, and building that trust, etc. But uh, look, we we all know there's a fantastic opportunity there for us. Uh, we also all know there's a massive challenge there for us as well. So look, it's been really exciting um, for everybody. Um, and yeah, we're just chomping at the bit now, Eddie, just trying to... Uh, by their time until the league starts on the 17th of February so we've a nice little bit of work done before Christmas uh, and we're back in phase 2 of our training now between now and the league so things are going well and this time of the year chap you know yourself and myself are obviously big fans of running and all that type of training we used to <laughs> love, love that side of it but for, 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 for the team at the moment obviously all the groundwork is being done at the moment all the foundation work is being put in place are you getting an opportunity to get some friendlies under your you know in, 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 in now into the lads you know they're pushing hard and a few friendlies there are always important as well? Yeah, absolutely. We've been very fortunate before Christmas, Eddie, uh, or for the new year that we had three matches there um, towards the back end of last year um, and we've two challenge matches this week on Wednesday and on Saturday again. So we're getting plenty of game time into the girls. Um, I think in total before five challenge matches in the month of January. So we really get an opportunity to, to try different things and, and give girls the opportunity uh, to put their hand up and and, 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 uh, and make themselves, um, I suppose, part of the, of, of the panel that we create for 2024. Um, so it really is uh, a brilliant opportunity for everybody. But I suppose, um, you know, to, to enable us to be in a position to be really competitive this year uh, the fitness is, is is just one of those things that we have to do so uh, the girls are working really hard on the strength and condition side of things uh, before Christmas and again now and um, the Camogie Championship um, when it does get going in the league uh, it's very very tight I mean in the league we have five games in seven weeks uh, so there's and they're all really really competitive games against top class opposition and the same when it comes to the All-Ireland Series Eddie you have um, you know five games in your group stages but five games in six weeks so we need to get a certain amount of conditioning into the girls um, you know that their body can withstand uh, the pressures of that many games in so many weeks uh, later on in the year so uh, but their attitude has been super um, and they're all working really hard and we couldn't be happier with uh, with that side of things and, and just with the process at the moment chap you know obviously you're, you're coming in and replacing Brian Dowling who's, who's, who's had a number of years there so he'd have an established panel as such and there'll be a few bodies coming in and out but but for you yourself, like, how long will you be allowed to work with the bigger panel that you have? Like, at what point is there the cutoff where you're going to have to say, right, we have to reduce the panel to 35? Or has anyone put that type of pressure or time strains on you? No, not at all. I suppose, look, first of all, I suppose 
Tipsburg going so well in their campaign, the All Ireland series, um, you know, we were able to, to allow those girls fulfil their uh, their requirements with their clubs, and it was fantastic for them to, to go ahead and win the All Ireland. So uh, we really only had the Dixburg girls back this weekend for the first time. Um, so obviously, we need to give them a couple of weeks um, to, to to put their hands up. Uh, and the other girls that have been in with us um, have been in since uh, probably about six or seven weeks before Christmas. So um, everybody there will will, have, will will get a really really good uh, opportunity. But look, it's not sustainable or you know to, to carry a panel of, of 45 or 46 that you have at the moment is not something that uh, that you can do but I suppose we just want to make sure every girl gets a chance um, to really put you know to, to really stake their claim on that jersey and we really want to uh, make sure that uh, over the next couple of weeks really Eddie um, everybody gets the chance in the next couple of games and we will I suppose in about two weeks' time we will have a panel for the league uh, and we will work with that panel uh, for the duration of the league um, albeit if somebody is shooting the lights out uh, at intermediate or if somebody is you know gets injured or whatever we have the opportunity to go up and down on the intermediate side of things which is very helpful too you know and is it, that is something as well I know from speaking to you before Christmas that you've tried to amalgamate in some ways some of your backroom team are involved with the intermediate backroom setups so there is a link between both setups yeah, and I think it's really important. James Kelly is the manager to clean intermediates. Has uh, was last year as well. Had a very successful year last year. But uh, it's really important, I suppose, for me uh, that that we have that link with intermediates because you know somebody could carry or, or you know get a knock or get an injury, um, and it might take them a while to get back to senior level. And it's a great opportunity for them to to go back to the intermediates and get some game time there. Um, and, and similarly, if somebody is 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 not in the senior panel but they're on the intermediate team and they're shooting the lights out and their their performances are are, are really strong. And they will be given an opportunity up to the seniors so it works both ways uh, and I suppose realistically then it gives maybe 60 or 70 girls in Kilkenny uh, the opportunity to uh, to be involved in an inter-county set-up which is, which is fantastic you know and chap not to um, put, pr- put pressure on you to, 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 to kind of nail down what's happening with this or what's happening with that but obviously time waits for nobody things move on some players will step away from panels players will retire have we had any retirements or is, is anyone on kind of longer breaks or what way is, is, it, is it shaping up for you at the moment have you, have you lost any of yeah, we, we, we we have like, in terms of travelling we have a couple of girls gone travelling alright uh, it's widely known I suppose uh, Denise Gall and Michaela Keneally are, are in Australia at the moment so, uh, so they're travelling at the moment and I suppose look there are some girls that uh, have given huge service to Kilkenny as well at the moment who are just given a little bit of time to um, you know they, they've had heavy heavy slogs and, and, and many many years so we're just giving them a little bit of time to get themselves right um, but in about two weeks time maybe we'll have our full panel uh, for the league element created um, and as I said to you once we have that we can really work with those and we have other girls as well that are coming back from injuries uh, long term injuries um, as well so um, we're, we're really working with everybody to try and um, I suppose my job is to make sure that the best 36 or 35 whatever we have players in Kilkenny uh, make themselves available and we get them uh, in a position to represent Kilkenny and, and that's what it's all about so um, we've worked hard on that over the last couple of weeks and hopefully in, in about two weeks time we'll have that uh, nailed down for ourselves that we can really work with going into the uh, into the league stages I- the door is always open as well for any of these players that are travelling I'm sure when you hear a name like the two girls that you've mentioned for example if, if either of them were to yeah. text you and say we're on the way home you, I'm sure you'd be texting back to say happy days 
<laughs> yeah, well, well, look, I suppose I, I, I'd look at another way. I'd actually say the door is open for anybody. Of course. Uh, in Kilkenny. Like, if, if, you, if you're, you know, uh, playing with your club and you're absolutely performing brilliantly or if you're involved in Ashburn or Purcell and maybe you might not have been on, on, on the radar or might not be in Kilkenny at the moment, but your form is really, really strong, uh, there'll be an open door policy there uh, all the time. And if somebody's performances are, are, are at a, a high enough level, they will be given an opportunity, whether that be somebody who's, uh, who's travelling and coming home or that may be... A, a young player who's maybe uh, has a fantastic run in the Ashburn, um, you know, no matter which, or, or somebody that's just shooting the lights out with their club. Uh, if people are performing well, they will be given an opportunity, and that's the uh, that's the way it has to be for me, you know. And when you get an opportunity yourself, chap, I know you're a massive fan of of, of the game in general, and Harlan and Camogie, but I know you've you know you've, you've your own family as well, and you've you know a work life balance to try and manage too. But will you get the opportunity to catch some of these Ashburn games, and you know, are they are, is, is them is that the type of role that you need to be doing or is it more focusing on the group you have and, 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 and trusting the people around you to let you know what's happening with, with Ashburn games and whatnot? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of both. Um, I mean, the one thing about the Ashburn in particular and the Purcell Cup is it's very, very quick. Um, so the Ashburn Cup is finished on the 10th of February. So uh, the next uh, four weeks, five weeks will be will be crucial in terms of, of games. And we'll be making sure we have representatives of all these games, uh, keeping an eye on the girls. Uh, and I'll be heading to some of them myself. Um, and I suppose in addition to that then, uh, Eddie... Um, from my own perspective, um, the group that we have, I cannot fault them. So it's it's a combination of of always being on the lookout um, to make sure that we're not missing anything. But also, you know, there is a group of girls there who have been incredibly committed and who are absolutely delighted with uh, the work rate and attitude. So it's a combination of both, really, uh, and just to make sure that um, you know, as I said, to you, we have the best players representing Kenya at senior and intermediate level. You know, because it's it's um, sometimes just that little transition up or down can be a great thing for a player's confidence or um, as I said. To you, if somebody's coming back from injury, it can be a fantastic opportunity to uh, to get a bit of time with the intermediates to get them up to, to speed for uh, for coming into senior sense. So it works both ways. And just before I let you go, chap, the the, the Camogie Championship structure, the actual the way they play the Camogie Championship, I think I think it's it's a phenomenal system. The actual the actual championship structure in Camogie, you generally do end up with. You know, it, it, sometimes in Ireland you can get very lucky results and whatnot, but it, I think in the Camogie you're guaranteed to have a couple of really tricky battles throughout it. But at the top end of the table, you know, when the when the group stages are finished, you do end up with your quarterfinals or semifinals, but you end up with the best five or six teams in the country competing with each other. I mean, aside from Kilkenny, who are the obvious ones that you've kind of said? You know, here here's the trailblazers that we need to be targeting this year. Is it is it the normal Galway and Cork, or is there other people coming that you'd be nervous of as well? Yeah, I'd be nervous. <laughs> Everyone, I'd be honest with you, but definitely, I mean, I mean, Cork are all Ireland champions. Um, they were beaten in the two previous finals. So for the last three years in a row, they've been there or thereabouts, very unlucky in uh, in a couple of them as well. So, uh, so it's Cork are the kingpins, and and they deserve all the uh, all the respect in the world. Uh, Galway always there thereabouts. Tipperary are coming really, really strong. I know him and Cork are a good friend of mine is involved in this year as well in the backroom side of things. Um, and then you've Water in the final last year. So I suppose if I was talking to seven or eight years ago. You know, the tradition was always Kilkenny, Galway, Cork, and one of those would come true. Uh, but now all of a sudden you have, uh, Wexford, College Sutherland come up really strong. You have Watford in the final last year. Tipperary probably feel a bit aggrieved they didn't get into the final, uh, last year because they were very close against Waterford. So I think Kilkenny, we were beaten in the quarterfinal last year and didn't even make the semifinals. So, um, it's, it's, it's getting more and more competitive as the years go by, which is actually, uh, makes it more special, I suppose, if you manage to go on and, and achieve something because, you know, you really, there are no easy games. You really have to, uh, 
have to fight for everything and that's the way you want it Eddie. you know that's the way you want it you want to uh, be able to compete and be able to compete and be teams at the highest level knowing that you've given your all they've given their all and the best team will always win then after that well fingers crossed chap we'll have a long year of chats with yourself throughout the season on, on, on what will be a great journey for you your family and everybody involved with Kilkenny Camogie and most importantly I hope it's a successful one for the whole Addy so from myself the very very best of luck to you this season and I do look forward to you chatting to you during the season and, and hopefully watching Kilkenny getting all the way to uh, the steps of Crow Park with another All-Ireland title under you Please God, Eddie, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Mind yourself. That is, of course, Peter Chapclair, the Kilkenny Camogie manager. And Kilkenny will be getting their season underway, of course, against the All-Ireland Champions of Cork on the 17th of February. The fixture is not set down as a you know definitive date or anything yet, but it looks like it'll be Kilkenny-Cork. So what a tricky start to Chap's role as the Kilkenny Camogie manager will be in his first competitive game playing the All-Ireland Champions, but I'm sure it's a role he will absolutely relish. Myself and Owen are going to take a quick ad break there, and we'll be back with Barry Doyle after this. Keeping you in the game and in the know. Full time on KCLR. And you're very welcome back to Full Time on KCLR with myself, Eddie Scally in the hot seat. I had said just before the ad break we'd be chatting to Barry Doyle, all things horse racing, and we will do that just after half seven today. But I'm delighted to be joined on the line by, of course, our own main man in sport here in KCLR, Mr. Robbie Dowling. Robbie, thanks a million for taking the call. No, brilliant to be on, Eddie. To hear you on the air again, uh, Robbie. Thanks a million for having me back, um, Rob. I, I want to start straight away into it. Obviously, yesterday Kenny were meant to play Carlo in uh, Netwatch Cullen Park. I was listening to yourself and Shane during the day, and I was listening to obviously Brendan uh, and Michael down there. Disappointing for everybody, uh, you know. Fog, the weather kind of won out in the end, but you were a little bit aggrieved yourself. You felt it maybe should have been called a little bit earlier in the day. Yeah, I suppose, Eddie, just to kind of reiterate in a way and try and add on what I said yesterday, I think um, it's it's not so much the individual case, which I think could have been dealt with a lot better, if I'm being honest with you. I think it was, you know, the game was pulled at 10-2, to 2, which is 20 minutes after the set throwing time, which was half one, obviously, and 10 minutes before the kind of rearranged throwing time of 2 o'clock. So I think it could have been made a lot earlier yesterday. But just generally, I suppose, my grievance, Eddie, was that you know, you're going to put games on the first weekend of January. A lot of people dispute that. I'm not, you know, here to question whether games should be on at this time of the year. But you know you're going to run into issues at that time of the year because we're in Ireland in that time period. Weather can kind of prop up like this. And you just have to have something set up, I think, to protect supporters and protect everybody and make sure everybody's in the know-how. That would be where my uh, main concern was yesterday, to be honest with you, because I just, you could feel the frustration of supporters. And I suppose the big thing is as well, like, you know, let's be honest, these games can drive revenue um, or drive money for, for county boards and for the GA. Um, but are people just going to turn away from pre-season competitions? I think this is all just a, a nonsense, really, and I don't want to come back to it. I don't think that's going to happen on one individual case but if, if it does continually happen that would be a concern as well but yeah I suppose look I, I can I sympathise with referee Eamon Furlong yesterday and everybody involved it's a difficult decision to make and you, there is an, an extent to you have to just make the decision in the heat at the moment but um, for me I just think some sort of a procedure that could be put in place by the GA around this time of the year uh, would have been beneficial yesterday across the country not just in Netwatch Cullen Park of course Yeah and you know it must be said as well you know from my own experience in, in my in my other life uh, fog is a disaster in the sense that yeah. it can be dense one minute and ten minutes later it can clear and then it can be back again and it's just not simple I know Eamon well as well and I know Eamon would have all he would have wanted to do was get the game on and get it played and I believe yeah. from what I'm hearing uh, Derek and Tom Mullally were 
fairly pushing for the game to go ahead as well. So, um, you know, there would have been a lot of pressure on Eamon to make that call too. And, and it's unfortunate. Maybe is it something that we should consider doing what they've done in Mayo and building one of these, I know, not doing it over one game with a fog, but in Connacht they seem to play all their matches in the Dome up there, don't they? Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Eddie, about the Dome, because look, I don't know how expensive that is or uh, how long it would take to build something like that in all the provinces, but another thing on top of that, it means obviously that the games will go ahead almost, you know, with irrespective of the weather, unless there's some sort of crazy weather that we were having. But also, it, it brings a little bit of a novelty to it. I don't think anybody would have any appetite to see a kind of a Connacht Championship game in the air over that. But pre-season competitions where the result really is probably, you know, down the pecking order in terms of priority for management teams and even players to an extent, certainly for supporters, you would say. Um, it brings that little bit of a novelty, as I say, and something very, very different. And uh, this time of the year, I'm not sure what you know other GA supporters think, but I certainly always just cast my eye over to Connacht to see the games in the air dome because it's so unique and so different. And look again, you're not going to be building 20 of these things around the country; it's too costly. But something like that, of course, I, I think, for example, if there was a, you know an air dome in Leinster for these games, you get huge crowds out. I think people will be interested in, like well, like we see over in Connacht. But um, how? kind of realistic that is in the short term I don't know even in the long term I don't know but yeah I think it's a really good point that you make games won't be cancelled because of a facility like that and also as I said it probably draws more eyes to the game which is a, a win-win situation but again the feasibility of it all not quite sure Yeah I, I, I think as well Robbie just just on this game as well I actually think they'll have mm. a far bigger crowd tomorrow night than they would have had on Sunday I actually think with the game being played in the SETU students going back to college it's it's a novel thing on a Tuesday night. Carlo are playing Kilkenny. Carlo listed a pretty strong side, to be fair. Myself and yourself had talked about that during yesterday morning. Yeah. It was a pretty strong Carlo side. I could see a really good crowd turning up. I, I know myself, I'll be heading down to the SETU tomorrow for that. Um, I think it'll be a belter on a Tuesday evening. What more could you ask for? Maybe that's another thing that they should consider, that there's a provision in place instantly that, look, the weather's not playing ball here. We're going to play it on Monday night or Tuesday night, especially when you've got so many floodlights and stuff in Carlo. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you make as well, Eddie. I think other people have brought up the fact that ultimately it's a player's game, I suppose, and it's not ideal for the players to kind of have to work the full day and maybe play at 8 o'clock. But again, I would maybe make the case that if you're trying to attract people right at the start of the year to the game, midweek games like this in facilities like SETU, Carlo, as you said there, where you're going to attract as many people as possible, particularly young people, students who will be there, I think there probably will be a bigger crowd there tomorrow night. Again, there's a bit of a novelty to it. Under the lights, Carlo against Kilkenny in a facility, in an arena, you know, in a place where we're not used to seeing a game like that take place. Um, I, I think all of those little things that you can add to it at this time of the year always help, in my opinion. And I always like the, the, the one thing about these competitions that I always like and you would have seen it down through the years yourself when you're kind of you're down in Callan watching a Kilkenny match or I know Carlo played their games in Netwatch Cullen Park but you see Cork and Limerick yesterday got cancelled but it was due to take place in Mallow all of these little different things that make it a, a little bit more niche I think um, can help the GA and I completely agree with you I think tomorrow night's going to be a bumper crowd in SETU Carlo there's, there'll be a real fascination from Carlo supporters because they now know the team not kind of two or one or two hours in advance of the match but they actually know the team 
one or two days in advance of the match and likewise with Kilkenny supporters I think they'll want to see all the new faces and it's not too far a trek over for most Kilkenny supporters unless you're in south of the county so I think um, in a way what happened yesterday which was far from ideal and there's no benefits to it but I suppose every cloud does have a silver lining and in this case the fact that the game has been moved to a Tuesday night in SETU Carlo probably is that silver lining No I definitely would agree with that before I let you go I'm not going to talk to you about the club games coming up at the weekend there's obviously big All-Ireland finals on the way Thomastown are on the way mm. there uh, of course Tullaher Ross Birkin as well we've, we've, we've covered that all the way through this year's Kilkenny Hurling podcast just two questions I have for you first and foremost is the Kilkenny side yeah. that was named what players in that lineup? No, you know I don't want the obvious ones but what players in that lineup are you looking forward to seeing like what, what, what's going to draw if, if I'm Eddie Scally and I'm not familiar with these lads who, who should I be looking out for tomorrow night down in SETU Carroll? Well, first of all, you'd be a lot more familiar than I would, Eddie, being at all of these club games throughout the year. But I suppose the two players that caught my eye, I think they were both wing-backs. It was um, Joe Fitzpatrick from Dunhamagan was playing, uh, was down to wearing number five. And Paul Henneberry, who absolutely starred for Moonkine on their way to the Intermediate County Final, was number seven. I think both of those players were certainly um, interesting for a lot of people, including myself. And I think I, w- I would have loved to have seen them play and will love seeing them play tomorrow night. I'll be down there myself in Carlow to watch that match. Um, you know, you look you look at the forward line, maybe Paul Cody from Clara, a player that always seems to get on the pitch around this time of the year. Um, can he stake his claim to maybe even get into a league side, which is something that he struggled to do over the last year or two um, throughout the of the Walsh Cup starting tomorrow night but I, I think the big one for a lot of people and I might be wrong is the Blanchfield brothers Kevin Blanchfield for Ben Spridge making his bow with Kilkenny um, an incredible player I think you said it yourself I think that maybe if they even made a county final he could have been the player of the year but certainly if they had won it I think he was probably a shoo-in for it and another contender for it Liam Blanchfield who returned from Australia really changed the nature of Ben Spridge's season when he came in at full forward and he's back obviously had a spell with Kilkenny kind of in the mid-2010s in that full forward line a really physical player and probably hurting with a little bit more freedom and not as much caution because he's had his chance and he, he took it at the time he's back now and again as I said not as much pressure on the shoulder so can he be a staple in that forward line because Kilkenny ultimately Michael Watts said it to me on scoreline on Friday night they do need you know, at least one forward to come into the starting 15. There's no doubt about that. Probably, you know, two or three if they could find them at all, but certainly need one. Maybe Liam Blanchfield going back to the past is the answer for the future. I don't know, but there'd be the four, I would say. Joe Fitzpatrick, Paul Henneberry, and the two Blanchfields, Kevin and Liam, I think would be the players I'd be looking out for anyway. Yeah, I think I think the ones you've named are all, well, you know, well well right up that pecking order. Myself, Timmy Clifford would be another one I'd really look forward to seeing tomorrow. Mm. I think he's been flying. Kevin Blanchfield for me as well. When I seen him on the list, I actually said it the night before to one of the lads, he'd be one of the first names on the sheet for me. And on a subs bench, I'll put it out there, I thought Paddy Langton for Gore and Young Ireland this season was absolutely yes. exceptional. I'd love to see him getting a bit of game time too. But isn't it brilliant to see such a fresh Kilkenny squad heading into a game taking on a very very strong Carlo team as well it must be said so I think this could be a cracker tomorrow night I agree with you Eddie and you, you mentioned it there it's a very very strong Carlo team Marty Cavan is in and Chris Nolan which people will know but even the likes of Brian Tracy Kevin McDonald is down to start other players as well it, it is a quite a strong Carlo team when you put that up against what has to be said is an experimental Kilkenny team with a lot of new players and new faces that we mentioned there coming into it I think this could be a really tight game and a really exciting one if you're not able to make it down to Carlo tomorrow the weather conditions might force that upon you you just might not 
be able to make it in life. But well, there's live um, coverage on KCLR from 8 o'clock, and I think it's, it's one that you don't really want to miss because if you are a supporter of Kilkenny or Carlo, you want to find out how are these kind of staple names that have been the Carlo team for years and years getting on early in the season, how are they going to progress throughout the league and into the Leinster Championship. And then from a Kilkenny point of view, as I said, you have to be listening out to hear how the forwards are going to do. Because for me, I think, you know, I think Derek Ling would admit to it. And I think, you know, we'll hear from across Casey Lord throughout the year. Kilkenny need to find a forward. I know I keep repeating myself, but I think most experts know a lot more about hurling than myself, including yourself, Eddie, would, would, would admit that as well. So I think they're the two things that I'd be looking out for tomorrow. Kind of how are the... Um, players in Carlo that we've heard over the years how are they going to do and can they strengthen their panel which is something that I think Tom Lally will be looking at and from a Kilkenny perspective we need some sort of a forward to as Peter Chapclear told you there to shoot the lights out because uh, we really do need that four, five, six points um, from play forward come championship time if we want to try and get closer to Limerick and obviously the, the ultimate goal as Derek Link said to me when he got the job originally around this time last year is to try and win that All-Ireland No, has to be done Robbie, I look forward to seeing you down there tomorrow night I'm sure we will enjoy the game as always, an absolute pleasure having a chat with you there I see Ronnie texting us in there as well he could be down there as well in that big bandwagon we'll all have a bit of crack down there tomorrow night but anyone, I would say as you said Robbie game is live on Case Law for anyone that can't make it down to the SETU tomorrow Yeah, that's it uh, Brendan Hennessy and Michael Walsh, the dynamic duo, the pair that we know and love uh, throughout the years here at KCLR, will be commenting on all the action with thanks to the heart. So as I said, if you can make it down, it is an 8pm throw-on in the grass pitch in the SE2U arena. So that's the main pitch, I think, for people that aren't too familiar with it or that are familiar with it. Um, so yeah, that's what's happening tomorrow night. So a bumper midweek hurling action and Sigerson Cup, of course, come to SE2U Carlo on Wednesday as well. No, fingers crossed. We'll have a great night tomorrow night. Robbie, thanks a million as always. We'll chat soon. Keeping you in the game and in the know. Full time on KCLR. And you're very welcome back to Full Time on KCLR. Myself, Eddie Scally, in the hot seat. As it is the first show of the new season, another slot that we'll be adding into this year's full-time show is, of course, this section, which will be on horse racing. And I'm delighted that one of our regular contributors is going to be champ.ie's Barry Doyle. Barry, thanks a million for taking the call this evening. Brilliant to be on, Eddie, and uh, looking forward to my new feature. Brilliant to talk uh, horses on a Monday night. Absolutely, 100%, and you're talking to a big horse racing fan here, so we're preaching to the converted. But, Barry, where we're going to start is, obviously yesterday would have been the first grade one of 2024, the Lawler's Hotel race up in Nace, and unfortunately, very late in the day, fixture cancelled bit of a disaster for everybody especially my heart went out to the team in Nace as well it was a nightmare for them I wouldn't wish it on anybody but what did you make of the whole thing yourself? You know, just, I suppose no one knows probably things like this a little bit better than you, Eddie, which uh, obviously managing the, the race course down in Gorn and obviously Jack Adam won the Tiesta's chase, I think it was back in 2015, it was really bad, bad fog on that occasion, wasn't it? And uh, I suppose looking at, at the weekend, I mean, I was just talking to, to Ronan Groom, who is a regular on the Chantilly Park, because he went down and I suppose they made a decision early in the day and I suppose the hope is that, you know, that I suppose the race course themselves did everything in their power to, to uh, I suppose, get the race meeting on first and foremost, and, and as well as that, to be transparent with everyone going to the races, to let them know early. I mean, you know yourself, yes, this is around the corner. You're going to have people from all over the country, from, I suppose, down Cork Kerry direction, um, even further north, obviously. So to let people know as, as early as possible, as it was in a situation like this, is probably the most important thing. And it's for safety of the horses, and, 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 and that's, that has to be number one, I suppose. 
Yeah, look, it's, it was just one of them unfortunate situations. We did get one race, obviously. Uh, Brandy Love was turned over at a really, really short price of one to four. I'm not going to ask you what happened, Barry, because nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. I suppose the big the, the big race wasn't it. And it's great that they've got it back on for 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 Friday. Obviously, the Lawlers at Nace, which is a, a, a great one. That it's a massive pointer, isn't it? Every single season towards the, particularly the Ballymore. Obviously, Bob Ollinger's won it in the past, and he's gone on to win uh, the Ballymore. Envoy Allen the same, and it looks an absolute cracker. This uh, this uh, hopefully they all still stand their ground. Um, but with the likes of Eli Atlantic in there, Firefox, Lecky Watson is a horse for the. Slave. Syndicate obviously won the test as Chase said he would total recall a number of seasons ago. The same syndicate, but he could be an interesting one as well. There, he's in around the 16 to 1 mark. But I think uh, the one thing about Nace is it, it was likely to be very, very testing yesterday, testing ground. But I don't, I don't think they're forecast much rain. Um, so could we see yielding perhaps even good in the description? There's virtually zero rain scheduled between now and uh, Friday. Yeah, the, the problem you have when you have temperatures this low, though, Barry, is the ground. It'll, it'll soak away but it won't improve so I'd say the likelihood is you'll, you'll be still racing on soft ground and you could end up having it quite holding and quite tacky as well it's it's not ideal it's not you're, you know you're not getting that sunlight that it might draw you back to that but just, just looking at the race for yesterday the market that was forming for the big race was probably starting to favour Firefox um, it wouldn't be the camp I'd be in um, but it did look like Firefox was going to go off favourite if that race went ahead yesterday. Is that the horse you would have as the favourite? No, I was quite keen on Eli Atlantique and I thought the ground, he was very, very impressive, wasn't he, in his in his uh, first start over hurdles at Gorn. He was a 19-length win already, but there wasn't much between the two of them, Firefox and Eli Atlantique uh, at Fairyhouse uh, back on the 10th of May when they clashed in that Fairyhouse bumper, wasn't he? Three quarters of a length. And it was interesting, we had Patrick Mullins on the um, on the Champ Daddy podcast um, prior to uh, Christmas and just speaking about Eli Atlantique, uh, this horse, he felt in his bumpers, in, in particularly at Nace and, and particularly at Fairyhouse on that little bit of nicer ground maybe he didn't let himself down on the ground as, as much as he would have on you know testing ground he won at Gorn on heavy and obviously won at Leperstown on his first start beat Fernilly who's since come out obviously and won uh, a graded chase at Punchestown at the back end of the season so I think that form is quite strong and I think on testing ground you mentioned that it won't I suppose conditions it won't you, you might not see good in the description and, and the ground could be quite testing I think it's still probably in his favour and I'd fancy him to reverse the form now I have to say Eddie with, with, with Firefox but like I say Lecky Watson is an interesting one because I think when he even, even when he steps up and trips uh, to, um, to three miles perhaps maybe in the spring I think he's a, a horse he was fourth in the champion bumper last year I think he's a good horse Lecky Watson and um, he met all sorts of trouble in that champion bumper you might remember a furlong out he was very badly hampered Factor File has gone on obviously to finish second to a dream to share and uh, Captain Teague Obviously, he, he ran, he was a grade one winner of the Jello Novices Hurdle at uh, Newbury not so long ago. So that form looks quite strong. I think he's an interesting horse, Lucky Watson. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't disagree. I think for me, after seeing Ail Atlantique uh, live in Gorham Park in November, couldn't see past him. Thought he was an absolute machine. Reminded me of Duvan winning in, in Goran. So I'd be sticking solidly in that camp and I'd be fancying it to win comfortably on Friday. Willie's horses are flying and then head on win the Ballymore. It's as simple as that really, Barry, isn't it? <laughs> just as simple as that I just wonder would the ground be important to this or that's why I think it could just swing it in his direction if you're going to have testing run over two and a half miles Firefox obviously when he beats Il Atlantique was on yielding ground officially obviously Fairy House 
at Easter time. It's going to be that little bit nicer. I think the ground, the trip, everything is probably going to be in, in Atlantique's favour for me. But it's not just the that's not just the local bias there, but I genuinely think he's he's a great chance. Yeah, and it is also a massive local bias. Um, but uh, let's, let's, <laughs> let's be straight in both camps. Barry, before I let you go, obviously the podcast is going great for yourselves. Just for our listeners at home in Kilkenny and Carlo, anyone that wants to listen to the podcast, where can they get it? Well, it's mainly on YouTube, but obviously on Spotify and Apple as well. But I suppose we're, we're delighted, I suppose, Eddie, to be partnering this year with, uh, obviously, yourselves, Goran Park, Syndicate Start Racing and Boyle Sports. And uh, I suppose the support support that we've got locally as well, just to say, like, obviously, uh, local trainers, jockeys, etc. Even when we started this thing, I mean, started it, Eddie, from the, the living room table in Bangladesh back in 2019. So it's entering its fifth year. The numbers, I suppose, have grew massively. It was um, You're aware, obviously, Kieran Cunningham, uh, he's, he's the now Carlo goalkeeper but uh, he, he actually started with me all those years ago we were both doing PR and media it's grown brilliantly 62% in terms of the numbers last year it grew but to be able to help Gorn uh, Park in particular obviously they're big days now TS days um, Red Mills day and obviously Shamrock Chase day to be able to I suppose tap into our listenership and to, to drive traffic and, and, and to hopefully you know re- really obviously boost the gate for yourselves at those big days it's, it's a proud moment Eddie and uh, delighted to be involved and look sure look forward to this on a Monday night with you No Barry it's an absolute pleasure and we're delighted to be working with you this year in Gorn and I look forward to having you on here regularly on Monday nights to talk about what's happened the weekend before in racing and hopefully we'll have stuff to talk about other than the fog <laughs> Hopefully so. I look forward to have the uh, the golf club shined up as well. That Tiestes, uh, the days is it the Masters? Is it two weeks? Two, two weeks, weeks now? Wednesday week. Yeah, it'll be a few DJs from KCLR out there kicking golf balls around the course. So it should be a bit of. Crack. I smile like Victor Hovland anyway. I might be any good at the golf. <laughs> Barry, an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million for taking the call this evening. I look forward to catching up with you over the next couple of weeks. Best of luck. Cheers. That is, of course, Barry Doyle there from Champ.ie podcast and racing. We're going to take a quick ad break right there. Keeping you in the game and in the know. Full time on KCLR. And you're very welcome back to Full Time on KCLR. Myself, Eddie Scally. We're going to switch our attention now to Gaelic football, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Carlo football legend Willie Quinlan. Willie, thanks a million for taking the call this evening. No bother, Eddie. How are you? I'm absolutely brilliant, Willie. Uh, you had a busy, busy evening with Brendan, of course, two under 20. County finals up for a decision at the weekend. You recover in both games. Two two crackers, in fairness, in, in, in tough conditions in, in, in Dr. Cullen Park. Yeah, definitely. You'd have to say tough conditions. But uh, it looked very frosty just down in front of the, sand, the stand. Probably the, the sun didn't get at it all day and looked uh, probably not not too dangerous if you were down on the, on the pitch. But from, uh, from above, it looked uh, very white in front of it. And uh, you could say players were under pressure hopping the ball in that particular area because it just kept getting away from them but two exciting games in fairness uh, Ballon and Tenryland in the B final first uh, very good open game both teams looking to go and win the game I felt Ballon were very very unlucky because they dominated the game from start almost to finish until that man Conor Crewe stepped up uh, centre forward for, for Tenryland and a shot along the ground from probably 25 yards out stuck it in the bottom corner and that was probably the first time that Tin Ryland got back level. I think they got the word. They scored the first point, and from there, Ballon took over. Really, and um, very exciting game. But Tin Ryland went up on to win by a point, and Ballon can feel very, very unlucky um, uh, after having put in such a big performance. 
Yeah, I, I was listening to the game myself because I was driving back from from Bray. I was at the the, the other game up in, in in Bray, and I was driving back and I was listening to it. And Ballin, like, were in, in full control really for, for the whole game. I, I, you know, it's 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 a horrible way to lose a match. But I suppose from the positive side, Ballin can take an awful lot out of that defeat. In Ireland, they're a big established football club. Ballin are the up and coming side, and I think um, I think they can take a lot from that game. They were very very unlucky. Yeah, definitely. And Tin Ireland, you know, as you say, are well established <coughs> and on their own for a long, long time. Ballon have been underage with uh, the Fighting Cocks and, and Kilbride there for a number of years. And in the last couple of years, decided to go on their own because they had the numbers. And you can see it, the, you know, some fine fine footballers, especially <coughs> Evan Core in uh, centre forward, kick five points, three points from freeze. Uh, Kevin Marr, three brothers playing, Kevin, Johnny and Jamie Marr, um, I think actually they could be tri- triplets. I was just going to say mistaken. that. Brendan, Definitely twins, yeah. yeah Brendan, Brendan called them triplets a few times and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just take it as gospel that they're triplets. Um, but yeah, I'm not 100% sure now. And there was actually another Mar on the subs, Thomas Mar, who did come on as a, a sub there as well. He came in full forward for, for Miles Hutton. So there's there's plenty of Mars in Ballon and, and uh, very good footballers. Um, they were very, very unlucky. Shane Duffy really caught the eye corner forward he kicked two points but he was all over the field um, but just at the end of the day a, a little bit of experience that Mark Mullen and Michael Hosey got from playing senior football last year steadied the ship in probably the last 10 or 15 minutes and just about got them across the line Mark Mullen uh, kicked uh, a good score as well from the middle but Conor Crew, you'd have to say he scored 1-6 on the day he got that brilliant goal uh, four frees a 45 and one from play um, but just about just about done it. Um, Ballon looked like they were going to win the game from start to finish, but it didn't work out that way. And it, it doesn't always go that way. Congratulations to Tin Ryland, we must say, in that game. Commiserations with Ballon. In the in the A final as well, this was a replay, Willie, and it almost... I, I know this is going to sound mad, but it, it, it nearly felt at one stage like it was going to be an identical... To the, to the first day because you had one team racing into a lead the other team drawing it back and it was nearly a carbon copy but Aerog in the second half just, just pulled away towards the end yeah they definitely they definitely did um, a, a carbon copy the, the, the first 30 minutes was the same Aerog went into 1-3 to no score lead and gradually you can see Palantine getting a little bit of momentum they got a couple of scores uh, Brian McMahon getting uh, I think 4 or 5 points from play uh, no, he got three from playing two and two frees. They just uh, dragged it back, and Aerog went in a pint up. But you could see the difference being on on the day that Aerog finally probably got their best team out on the on the in in the final. And when I say their best team, I mean probably the most physical team. Liam Ryan came in for young uh, Jamie Coakley there in the corner. Ronan Quinlan came back in full forward. Um, so. There seemed to be that little bit more physical on the day where Palantine seemed to up their game the second, the first day in the second half. Couldn't quite get to the grips of Aerog in the second half and they notched on three or four points and never really looked back. At They ended up winning 115 to to 110, a convincing win in the end. Uh, they always say it's difficult to beat Aerog in the final and Pal have struggled over the years, both senior and uh, underage. And that just proves it again. Their big chance was last weekend. They were four points up with four minutes to go. Couldn't hold on. Aero got two points and then got a goal. And it was Pal actually that, lev- that leveled the match going into the late into injury time. 
but um, they'll definitely feel they should have won the first day but Aero the best team on the night at the weekend That's it and they always say never back an underdog in a replay and, and this is this is why you don't get two uh, bites of the cherry on that Just before I let you go uh, Willie there was two two um, All-Ireland Club semi-finals played yesterday I don't know if you got to enjoy either of the two games but we are now left with a situation where we're going to have Glynn of Derry playing uh, a club I'd have a great grofer at home myself St. Bridget's of, of Roscommon of course uh, half of that parish would be in the town of Athlone and we're, we're in for a real treat there we've got two real really big football clubs coming up against the other I know people would be disappointed to see Kilmacud going out some people would be happy enough but the two teams St. Bridges and Glen who would you be backing if you had to throw your communion money down on one of them? Well it's nice Eddie it's nice to see two different teams I suppose in, in the final Kilmacud winning out last year beating, beating the Glen by I think it was a bare point so the, the bare minimum but it, it was a game that I couldn't really enjoy it because looking at the fog on, on the pitch, the only time you could see when the, uh, the score went over was when in the second replay came out. It was very difficult. I'm sure it was difficult to play in, but it was very hard to watch. But uh, again, looking at the two games, the, the teams that really went ahead, like, like Glenn were five or six points ahead, uh, just just like St. Bridget's were uh, against Castlehaven. And they're the teams that went on to win the games. Kilmacud probably depending on Paul Mannion and Shane Walsh uh, at the end of the day to win it where Glenn had a lot more sco- uh, scores over the over the hour and St. Bridge is probably the same it's going to be an interesting game you'd have to you'd have to fancy the Glenn uh, from the bit of experience that it would have got from last year's defeat they say you have to lose one to win one but uh, it's, it's going to be a really really good game St. Bridge is a very strong very physical team well able to get their scores and the big thing that they have they're probably six or seven different scores and that will you know stand to the month today it'll be an interesting game I think if I was a betting man, I'd have to go with the Glen just for the experience that they brought to it last year. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't disagree. I'll obviously be wearing the green and red that day and roaring on St. Bridges, but hopefully, hopefully, Bridges, hopefully, yeah. you're wrong. But you're look, fingers crossed. Willie, as always, an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you this evening about all things football, and look forward to catching up with you over the coming weeks as we start looking into the Carlow Senior Football season as they start getting going at the intercounty level. Great stuff. Thanks, Eddie. That's brilliant. That is, of course, Willie Quinlan there talking all things Gaelic football to us. And, of course, Carlo's National League campaign will be starting in a few weeks' time and we'll be catching up with Willie, who'll be most certainly covering most of these games with Brendan Hennessy over the coming months. We're going to take take a quick ad break there, I should say, and we're going to come back with a quick chat with PL Kern, all things athletics. Keeping you in the game and in the know. Full time on KCLR. And you're very welcome back to Full Time on KCLR. I've had a text in to tell me that the Mars are, in fact, quadruplets. Not even triplets. Myself and Willie were calling them triplets. There is, of course, the three boys that played yesterday, and they have a sister as well. So, fantastic, and congratulations to them. But the Mars were, of course, unlucky yesterday for Ballon. They were beaten in that game. So, we're going to switch our attention to athletics. And yesterday, of course, was the famed Odlum Cup and Lambert Cup in Tinryland. We had Willie Quinlan on a minute ago. I heard him talking about winning an Odlum Cup medal a number of years ago himself. But I'm delighted to be joined on the line by P.L. Kern, who's one of the organisers of that event. And P.L., everything went really well yesterday, I believe, in Ireland. Yeah, it was a very good day. Again, it's always a curtain raiser of the year. But, um, and, and every year we met different types of weather. And yesterday was no, no different in heaven. First time we ever came into a heavy fog and sub-zero temperatures. Plus, the ground had been soft leading up to it. And the ground was, they rolled it during the week in order to get it smooth enough but it was good under under conditions was good the fog was a bit of a hazard but not a problem on the day with the two the the, the two main races of the year starting off with the women's 5k which started at 12.15 
And again, Alien Arthur, who was a member of Liffey Valley in, in Dublin, transferred over, even though she had run in this event for the last two years as a guest. But there was no doubt about she was a clear favourite on the day and she was main ahead of our Irish International for many years, who had won 14 titles in this race, which is Geraldine Hendrickon. And and last year's winner, Leah Lawler, was in third place with Claire O'Reilly and Breed Long with his sister Claire's bringing up the, the other spots. But a really good uh, race. And the Lambert Cup was presented by Beatrice Lambert, known as Beatrice Byrne now, but she presented the Lambert Cup. And it was an individual cup given last year for the first time by the Kavanagh family. And... Um, Eileen, Tom Kavanagh and Siobhan were there yesterday to present that cup to the winner, which was Alien Arthur. But no doubt about everyone was looking forward to the main race of the day, which was the Autumn Cup. And no doubt Bobby Crowley was the favourite. And he's, um, he spent a number of years in, in, in Manhattan in the US and he's now based in London. But um, he, he's uh, hoping this year to run really well on the track and he's training very hard. But... Uh, he did tell me before the race that he was very sick on the Saturday and he didn't know whether he could run or not, but he, he braved the elements and he did run. And he run, he did run within himself and easy enough, but I was very impressed with him, but I was also impressed with the runner-up, Mackenzie McIver, who is uh, only a, a young lad, but uh, he really ran well, took a second in the race, and he was followed home by uh, Mick Kelly, who was running for Tin Ryland this year. Uh, just his first time with Tinner Island, and he, close to him was Roddy Webb and Tom Nolan. And um, it's very close for the team race, uh, halfway through it, and a little over them, Brian Carbon, who was suffering from an injury, had to pull out, and it changed things drastically. And Tinner Island came home, winners of the team, and won the Ireland Cup. Uh, it was the first time to win it in over seven years. Um, but uh, the 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 um, other impressive people in the race was um, Tom Nolan was third in last year and he's still going very well. But we had a guy called Dylan McGrath from Lawrence of Tools, first time in it, and he was really good to finish in sixth place. Uh, Colin Payne last year's runner up was was back in seventh, and the reliable Tommy Payne who made up the fifth man on the team was back in ninth, and Pat Burke, another newcomer to Tin Ryland, finished in tenth place. But uh, overall, it was a, big, uh, a good lineup. With twenty-one started in that race, and it's always one of the highlights of the calendar at the beginning of the year. And, and, and to be fair, uh, Biel, it's it, yesterday's conditions, you know, and, and and I won't press too hard on it there with the with the, the dense fog. In fairness, you know, the other games are being called off because of it. But the, the one question I have for you is: the underfoot conditions they they held up quite well. The times were probably strong enough on on, on the day itself. It wasn't like this the the slop that would have been running in the athletics cross countries down in Goran in November. <laughs> You're dead right there. I was in Goran, and 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 even to walk in Goran, you couldn't even get your foot out of the ground. But you're right. There were there were cross country conditions, and and Tinryland, in fairness, was, is a great course, and and only athletes that ever run there, both from any club, love running in Tinryland, and they have this. They're able to come in contact with the crowd, with the different versions of going into different fields, and there's always a great crowd there supporting them at different corners. But it's a great course, and has been for many many years. You know, fair play to the Tinryland club, and especially. Dennis Shannon out there who put every effort into making 
it is it, um, in, in good condition. Also, I'd like to comment um, uh, Mark Fannin, who does a great job on, on the finishing line, always reliably there every year, and to Eamon Byrne as well for his job on the um, doing MC. And our chairman, Joe Smith, always provides the um, the amplification of that. But the other the other two ladies yesterday that I just would like to mention were Brahman Kewan and Marie Dunn. They're European relay gold medalists and they were there yesterday and they were the starters of the day for both races. No, well, it's, 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 it's fantastic that they gave up the time to that as well. It was the 79 running of, of the Ireland Cup and, uh, and next year will be the 80th running of it, you know, and, uh, you saw it was the first Sunday in January. Yeah. And hopefully again, the course will be at United next year as well. No, but fingers crossed, PL, as always, an absolute yep. pleasure to chat and thank you so much for coming on and, and congratulations to all the people that competed yesterday in the Odlum and Lambert Cups and, and well done to you all. Thanks a million again for taking the call. No problem. Thanks very much to KCLR. That's brilliant. That is, of course, PL Kern there of the Lawrence O'Toole's Athletics Club and they were running, of course, the Tin Ryland, uh, the Odlum Cup and the Lambert Cup yesterday. That's all I've got time for today. I'm even eating into Owen Carey's show as well. I'm going to get choked by Owen if I don't wrap it up fairly quickly. So just really quick, want to say thank you so much to Willie Quinlan, PL Kern, Robbie Dowling, Chap Clare and, of course, Barry Doyle. I'll be back with you next Monday night if Owen doesn't strangle me, but you can have Owen for the next two hours. That's it from Full Time on KCLR on a Monday night. Keeping you in the game and in the know. Full time on KCLR.